So we, we, we got really clear last week, really clear, if, if, I can, if I can presume to say that, that we are not alone in this shared experience of conflict. We are not alone in the shared experience of conflict. We, we all have that in common. I, I, I've been saying it this way this morning, that we all, every one of us, have various and varying relationships that are in conflict. I mean, so, so I've got some relationships that, um, that, that, that are good right now, but I remember that they used to not be good, right? But they're good right now. I've got some relationships that are okay right now, but, mm, you know, right? And then I've got some relationships over here, and we cue the graphic of the dumpster fire, right? You know, um, that we've maybe seen on your phone, or, you know, and it's just burning up, you know, and, that, and, right. and, and that's my life, and right? Maybe not so much the last one, but from time to time, it conflict. And, and listen, hear me. We are not alone. And so we read the stories last, last week. And it, and it starts in Genesis chapter 4, and it goes all the way through the end of the book. Conflict is real for believers. But, but what we find ourselves in is this, is this cycle where, where I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm saying, I'm right if you would listen to me. And the other person is sitting over here and they're saying, okay, I'm not listening to you because I'm right. And if you would listen to me, right? And guess what? And then, and then, and it's back and forth. We are not alone in conflict, but, but I believe this message, this morning's message offers us something about a way through it, out of it, beyond it. And I believe it's from God and and so we gather as God's people to hear it. I, I was inspired, actually uh, in, inspired by this, about three days after Christmas. I was listening to the devotion on my phone, that, uh, the series that, that, I, that I listened to, and, and a guy is doing it. I've, I've never heard of him before. His name's Josh Leroy. He is a prison chaplain outside of Asheboro, North Carolina. So can we all just give an amen to, he's probably an expert in conflict, right? Prison chaplain, amen to that, right? Yeah, probably. He happens to also be a United Methodist pastor. So he's ordained, but he doesn't serve in a church. He serves beyond the church, and, uh, and, 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 and he's an extension of the Methodist church into this prison. And, and, and this is how he started with the, with the spirit of Christmas still in the air, like on December the 27th or 28th, it was just two or three days into Christmas, and, and we're all celebrating the 12 days of Christmas, and, and he says, these prophetic words describing the one that would come need to be heard, and this is how he begins. He begins in Micah chapter 4, Micah chapter 4, and, and Micah is giving us, for what it's worth, my, for three chapters, Micah has given us the sort of the bottom out, the, the depressing kind of bad news. But in chapter 4, it turns upward, and it actually does it with words that are practically identical to parts of Isaiah. I'm not saying that Isaiah copied Micah or Micah copied Isaiah. More than likely, they both were, were working from some other document, but they're working around the same time and saying the same things, and this is what it says. 
But in the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of the mountains. It will be lifted above the hills. Peoples will stream to it. Many nations will go and say, come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God, so that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in God's paths. Instruction will come from Zion and the Lord's word from Jerusalem. God will judge between the nations and God will settle disputes of mighty nations which are far away. They will beat their swords into plow, iron plows and their spears into pruning tools. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make war. All will sit underneath their own grapevines, under their own fig trees. There will be no one to terrify them, for the mouth of the Lord of heavenly forces has spoken. Each of the peoples walks in the name of their own God, but as for us, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and always. So, so he describes this kingdom of peace that is coming. And in the very next verses that follow, he begins to describe that while it's coming, before it gets here, some atrocities will be committed against daughter Zion. That's the language that it uses as, as you continue to read through Micah chapter 4. Terrible things are going to happen. Which is this reminder to all of us that even though good is coming, evil is still real. And heartache still happens. But then, but then Micah turns away from what it, what it was sharing with Isaiah and it begins for the first time to describe not just the kingdom that's coming, but it begins to describe the one who is coming. It says in the fourth verse of the next chapter, Micah chapter 5 verse 4, he will stand and shepherd his flock. I think you're going to recognize this person, right? Earlier it says he'll be from Bethlehem, if that's not a clue. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of his name, of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. They will dwell secure because he will surely become great throughout the earth. And then it says, he will become one of peace. So there is a kingdom of peace that's coming. But there's also a king of peace who's coming. My question is, how are we doing with that? Not, not how are we doing with Jesus is the king of peace. Because more than likely, we'd all raise our hand and say, yeah, I'm down with that. I'm, I'm, I'm good with Jesus being the king of peace. Because if you didn't think that, you probably wouldn't be here this morning. And maybe if you still don't think that, you probably are smart enough to not raise your hand right now. I'm looking around. Yep, yep. Ja John, don't scratch your head when I'm asking. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, we're good with Jesus being the king of peace. Here's my question. If Jesus is the king of peace, how are we doing at being people of peace? Because here, here's, here's the news. If Jesus is about peace, we're supposed to be about peace 
also. 1 John 2, 6. The one who claims to remain in him ought to live in the same way as he has lived. I can make that a lot shorter. Christians should live like Christ. That's that's what it says. Everybody see it? Christians should live like Christ. Or or, or I like the NIV version of, of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. You got it? In your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, which is another way of saying Christians should have the mind of Christ. Two verses, I mean, two verses in a row, right? Well, I don't even have it up there. Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of him. It's over and over and over and over in the New Testament that if we are followers of Jesus. We're supposed to be like him. Let's go back to Micah. He was the one of peace. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? How am I doing with that? It was, it was Josh Leroy, who I mentioned earlier, it was Josh Leroy that introduced me to this, to this idea of considering this question. And it comes to us, um, hang on one second, Tammy. It comes to us from, from Luke chapter 6. And we're not there yet, but I'm, I'm going to set you up for it. Luke chapter 6 is, is arguably the, 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 the best compilation. It's, 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 it's arguably the best grouping of the language of peace ever offered by Jesus. Luke chapter 6. And we're going to read, the, we're going to read, we're going to, we're going to start in the middle of it and read the rest of the chapter, and we're going to do that in a second. But, but here's the thing. I don't want us to read it and say, that's nice. Everybody say with me, that's nice. You know what we, you know what we say that's nice about? Is the thing that we're not going to think about again. Right? We say, that's nice when, when we check it off the list. I don't want us to do that. I want us to ask the question. If Jesus says, this is the way of peace, and he's the one of peace, I want us to ask the question, how did he do with that? And then I want us to ask the question, how are we doing with that? And then I want to ask the question, how are we not doing with that? And so, and so, and so Tammy's got these three questions, and I've, I've got them right here because, because we can't keep them up on the screen while we also look at the Bible. But, um, so, so here they are. You can't read them, but, but you're going to be reminded that this is what they are. When did Jesus live this out? When we read Luke chapter 6, I want to ask the question, when did Jesus live this out? I want to ask the question, when do I live this out? And I want to ask the question, when do I not live this out? So here now, this this word of the gospel describing the words of the one of peace. Luke chapter 6 verse 17. It says, Jesus came down from the mountain with them and stood on a large area of level ground. In Matthew 5, he's got the Sermon on the Mount. This is often described as the Sermon on the Plain. A great company of his disciples and a huge crowd of people from all around Judea, 
That would make them Jews. Jerusalem, also Jews. And the area of Tyre and Sidon, which would make them Gentiles. So there's, there's the disciples, there's the Jews, there's the Gentiles. Which is another way of saying there's those who've already signed up for the team. There's those who are considering signing up for the team and were born Jewish. And then there's those who were considering signing up for the team and were born Gentiles. We are, we're, we're in that last group. But everybody's included. Everyone is here in the audience. It says, They came to hear him and to be healed from their diseases, and those bothered by unclean spirits were healed. The whole crowd wanted to touch him. And then listen to this. Because power was going out from him, and he was healing everyone. Now here's what's fascinating. And Joyce, I don't know if you ever had this, where like you're preaching, I was preaching this this morning, and that verse stopped me in my tracks, and I realized that's a whole different sermon. Because what it actually says in that verse, you're staring at it right there, right? Is it says, they, they wanted to touch him because power was going out from him, and he was healing everyone. But what's fascinating is, in the very next verses, it doesn't say he was laying hands on them. What it says is, he spoke to them. It says everyone was being healed by his power, but it doesn't say that he was necessarily putting their knees back together or their hips back together or he was, he was dealing with, 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 with broken ailments. It says that they were ailing, but apparently their ailments weren't all physical, that many of their ailments were interior. How many of us would say that, that most of our ailments aren't of body, but they're of spirit? And this is what he says. These three questions right here. These three questions. But I say to you, verse 27. We skip ahead. He's, he's done some blessings. He's done some woes. Verse 27. But I say to you who are willing to hear Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. When did Jesus live this out? Anybody? When did Jesus love his enemies? Crucifixion. Is that the only time? How about a bunch of times? Say it again. Every day. How, 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 about, the, how, about, the times, how about the times in Luke chapter 4 when the crowd came up to throw him off the cliff and stone him? How, how about all those times that the Pharisees came and they're and they're like they're they're like poking each other in the in in, in the side. They're going, listen to this. I'm going to trick him with this one. And they would ask him a question to trick him. How about how about how about every day Jesus did that? So here's the question: When did Jesus live this out? All the time. When do I live this out? Okay, hold on. <clears throat> Let me try again. When did Jesus live this out? All the time. When do I live this out? I do this sometimes. I do. I know, I'm looking around, you're going, come on, Scott. Come on, okay. <laughs> I do this sometimes. I do. 
But then what's the third question? When do I not live this out? Woo! And, and here's the thing, here's the thing, and I'm just talking about myself, and I'm, and, and I'm not gonna go about all the verses, they're not gonna take this long, we're not gonna be here till two o'clock or anything like that, but, but I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna point this out. When it comes to this specific verse, right, that all of the times I've ever done it right, when it comes to loving my enemies and doing good to those who, who hate me or persecute me or her, who oppose me, right, however you wanna translate it, right, every time I've ever done it right came after i did it wrong first <laughs> that's just me i don't know about y'all maybe maybe some of y'all have gotten persecuted and you immediately love them back maybe so and, and i love some people who persecuted me back I, mean, I really have i've loved them back but it wasn't my first reaction <laughs> you know? my first reaction was i don't like you <laughs> or or i want to get back at you or i want to make things right because you mess with me i'm a mess with you right right and then maybe like a day passes or a week passes or or a month passes and i go jesus said i should love them oh that's right i'm gonna love them but jesus did it every day verse 28 bless those who curse you Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks, and don't demand your things back from those who take them. Treat people in the same way that you want them to treat you. When did Jesus do this? all the time when do i do this sometimes when do i not do this sometimes if you love those who love you why should you be commended even sinners love those who love them if you do good to those who do good to you why should you be commended even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way the children of the Most High act, for He is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. It's in the Gospel of John that it, that it says regularly that, that Jesus saw the crowds and it says he looked on them with compassion. And here's what's fascinating about those particular stories is that those crowds were needy and they were withholding stuff and, and, and they hadn't thought things through and they weren't prepared. I mean, you know, they, they get to one point and they're all hungry. And he's like, how could you travel all this way and not have prepared or packed a lunch ahead of time? I mean, you know, he doesn't think that way. I think that way. He says he looked on him with compassion. When, when does Jesus do that? All the time. When do I do that? Some of the time. When do I not do that? Too much of the time. Verse 37, don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good portion, 
packed down, firmly shaken, and overflowing will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. Ding. Jesus also told them a riddle. A blind person can't lead another blind person, right? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Disciples aren't greater than their teacher, but whoever is fully prepared will be like their teacher. Why do you see the splinter in your brother or sister's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, brother, sister, let me take the splinter out of your eye, when you don't see the ginormous log in your own eye? I added that word because Jesus would have said it if he was here. Why are you interested in the tiny thing when the giant thing is even clouding your vision? Could it be that if you took the log out of your own eye, you'd see that the thing that you thought was a speck in their eye wasn't even? You deceive yourselves. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother or sister's eyes. When did Jesus do that? All the time. When do I do that? Not enough of the time. When do I not do that? Way too much of the time. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, nor does a bad tree produce good fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. People don't gather figs from thorny plants, nor do they pick grapes from prickly bushes. A good person produces good from the good treasury of the inner self, while an evil person, hang on to this, while an evil person produces evil from the evil treasury of the inner self, the inner self overflows with words that are spoken. Now I want to say this. None of us are evil persons. That's not what he's saying. He, he's, not, he's not saying that you're evil. In fact, in fact, if you have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have put all your trust in here, if you are trying to follow the path after him, if you repent, we preached on that last month. If you repent, God, love, heaven rejoices when we turn around and repent. If you do that, we're not talking, you're not an evil person, but, but, every time that we are asked to live in peace in our relationships and we fall short of that, Every time we are not doing the will of our Father and we are not living into being the people of peace like the one of peace. Finally, why do you call me Lord, Lord and don't do what I say? I'll show what it's like when someone comes to me, hears my words, and puts them into practice. It's like a person building a house by digging deep and laying the foundation on bedrock. We just sang that song to open up worship. That was awesome. When the flood came, the rising water smashed against the house, but the water couldn't shake the house because it was well built. But those who don't put into practice what they hear are like a person who built a house without a foundation. The flood water smashed against it and it collapsed instantly. It was completely destroyed.
This is the word of God for we the people of God and we say together, thanks be to God. I want to offer this one simple practical truth before we celebrate communion and we depart out into the world. Peace is possible. Peace is possible. My life is better and my relationships are less conflicted when I am trying to live more like the one who is here and closing the distance from where I am so often down here. My life is better and my relationships are in less conflict. I have more peace when I am closing the distance between where I have been and where God wants me to be. Let's pray. But all the praise and the glory to your Son, Jesus Christ, who showed us by His life every day peace. You've called us to be like Him and we fall short. Help us, we pray. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen and amen.